to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. Today, I'd like to introduce Katya Kohler-Cole, a research assistant professor in agronomy and horticulture at the University of Nebraska. Katya will be discussing how cover crops affect soil microbial communities. Welcome to the podcast, Katya. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So to get us started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've been working at the University of Nebraska uh, for the last six years now, studying cover crops. Um, I work mostly with um, cover crops and corn and soybean systems, but also have some experience working with cover crops and wheat. And so, yeah, I'm excited to share some of our experiences, and I'm hoping this information can be helpful to growers everywhere. Great. Well, let's go ahead and and jump right into today's topic. Uh, Talk a little bit about what cover crop species you've been studying along in with corn and soybeans. So in corn and soybean systems, um, the cover crops that we are uh, typically planting are cereal rye. Um, We've also been working with some mixes that include cereal rye and brassicas and legumes. Um, We've also been growing just some uh, legumes straight. So most of that would be hairy veg and winter pea. Great, great. So um, kind of digging down into this, in corn and soybean rotations, where is the most soil nitrates lost or, or how are soil nitrates lost? So soil nitrates are a big concern across a lot of the Midwest. First of all, of course, nit- nitrogen is our most important um, plant nutrient. So we, we want to keep it in our system, but it's mobile. We all know that it quickly is lost once it starts raining or uh, if there's runoff. And in our corn-soybean rotations, actually, um, most of the nitrate is lost in the spring typically before soybean planting, because a lot of times soybeans are still planted a little bit later than corn. So it is lost once the soils warm up. There are no plants yet growing in the fields, but the microbes in the soil are already becoming active. They're starting to decompose organic matter, releasing nitrate in the, or nitrate in the process. And if there's rain, which of course is plentiful in the spring across most of the Midwest, then uh, nitrates are lost. Okay. So what is the role of soil microbes in, in this system? So basically, in our soils, microbes are responsible for most, most, most of the functions that we can think of. Microbes, our soil microbes, are, are mainly decomposers. They, uh, they decompose all kinds of plant residues, all kinds of the plant inputs, of course, also other, uh, you know, animal inputs or manure. They... Um, by decomposing these nutrients, they're releasing nutrients. They're also important in cycling nutrients. So they're very important for nutrient cycling, for our, our uh, crops to have the nutrients available, available to them. 
They are also important for um, retaining different fractions of organic matter. And by, by doing all, these, all this, they're also influencing soil structure, how well water infiltrates into the soil, how much water the soil can hold. So again, it's basically all functions of the soil that are regulated by soil microbes. Okay, and so what do cover crops provide to soil microbes? So when we were growing a cover crop in the field, um, we're doing actually a several things for microbes. First of all, we're providing habitat. Most microbes live in or on roots. So very close or very close to roots. Um, so we're providing habitat for them. We're also providing food for them. Roots always leak a little bit of um, sugars, a little bit of amino acids. And this, the, these, um, these losses, they are a loss for the plant, but they are a, a really beneficial food for microbes. It's actually basically a preferred, preferred food for microbial populations. So we're feeding them. And we're also, because we have a plant growing, we have, we're shading the soil a little bit. We're, we're, um, we're making sure that raindrops don't hit the soil as hard. You know, they're hitting the leaves instead. So we're kind of um, moderating the, the surface temperatures and moderating the influence of rain and, and radiation on the soil. So it basically makes it a little bit less extreme habitat, a little bit more conducive to, to living organisms. Okay. And then do cover crops have to be growing to provide food for soil microbes? Or if they've been terminated, are they still helpful as a, a food source? They're providing food while they're alive in the form of these uh, root leachates that I've talked about. So sugars and amino acids that the plant, uh, plant that leach from the plant roots. But once the plant is terminated, once the cover crops are killed, then microbial microbes will start uh, decomposing the above ground as well as the below ground biomass. So basically the roots and the shoots. So they're also, we're also providing food for microbes in that form. Um, one important thing to remember is that, you know, we have so many different forms of microbes in the soil and they all are, uh, you know, they all have their own preferences. So when we're thinking about what decomposes uh, cover crop biomass, for example, once we kill a cover crop, that'll be mostly bacteria. Um, when we're thinking about things like really tough corn stalks or soybean, you know, crop leaves that are wheat straw or, or soybean stalks or things like that, those will be mostly uh, kinds of fungi that decompose that. And we have different kinds of fungi. And one of the ones that probably most of the listeners here will have heard about are, are the AM fungi. So one of the things that we're doing when we have a living cover crop that is that we're providing a habitat and a food source for those fungi in particular because they, um, they basically undergo mutual, mutually beneficial relationships with soil, uh, with roots. So they can grow on or actually in roots and they help the plant roots to go out, grow out into, you know, into the soil, reach nutrients and also water in the soil that the plant root basically can't, can't get to. 
And then these fungi, what these fungi do is once we kill the cover crop, they actually can uh, move on to our corn or soybean crop that we're planting afterwards and support these crops in, you know, with water and nutrient, uh, with access to water and nutrients. So that's one of the things that's very interesting. And we often don't think about, you know, how, how these fungi move at, from cover crops into other, to corn or soybeans, so our main crops. So um, how do cover crops influence soil surface microclimates? And, and can you explain a little bit what those microclimates are? Yeah, so I touched on that a little bit already. So we, we have, now that we're growing a cover crop, we have leaves on the soil surface. Um, one important thing, of course, they're blocking, well, they're not blocking rain, but they're sort of, um, they're basically catching the raindrops. So there's not as much impact from a hard rainfall on the soil. So we will, we will see less soil being washed out. They're also mitigating temperatures. They're, they're kind of shading the soil surface. So it doesn't get quite so hot. It probably doesn't get quite so cold. Of course, they're, they're, um, they're mitigating wind. They're kind of blocking wind. And that's a good thing when we think about uh, the winter or, or drier at times in the fall. Um, if we have a cover crop there, we will get less wind erosion, but we'll also have, again, slightly warmer temperatures at the soil surface because the cover crops, the leaves kind of block the wind. So I think those are the most, you know, uh, mitigating the temperature and the impact of rainfall are probably the, the two biggest ways that cover crops impact soil surface microclimates. Great. So talk a little bit about um, when it comes to nutrients in the soil, what do soil microbes do with those soil nutrients? So again, we have a lot of different populations of microbes. We have the microbes that are important for converting nitrogen into its different forms. So nitrogen fertilizer is converted to nitrate or plant, plant available forms of nitrogen. So we have bacteria that are uh, involved with that. We have other bacteria that are decomposing nut um, nutrients that are in that are held in the organic matter, so that or that are held in plant residues. Um, we have fungi that are saprophytic fungi. Um, they are very important for decomposing for decomposing those usually tougher residues, such as corn stalks. And then we have, we have uh, the AM fungi or AMF that I already talked a little bit about. And also more involved into helping plants access nutrients in the soil that are sort of out of the reach of, of the plant roots. So because they can get into basically tighter area or tighter spots in the soil. So yeah, microbes are involved in all kinds of nutrient cycling, um, breakdown of residues, um, and then where those nutrients go in the soil, that, that's, uh, that's what, what, they, what their main functions are. Great. So um, out of all the different types of soil microbes, which one is the most prevalent in the soil? Bacteria are definitely the most prevalent uh, microbial populations in the soil. They are also the most responsive to change. So if we change anything, for example, if we introduce a cover crop into our system or if we start manuring our systems, we typically see quick increases in soil 
bacterial, soil bacterial populations. Then we have, um, we have the different forms of fungi. So the saprophytic fungi and the AM fungi, um, those typically take a little bit longer to, to respond to changes. You know, it takes them longer to reproduce. We have lots of other important groups that we don't often talk about, and even as researchers don't often look at them. Some of them are protozoa. They are important for so basically keeping bacterial and uh, nematode populations in check. So they, they also, you know, uh, because they basically eat bacteria, you know, they're also important. They, they will also influence um, nutrient cycling. Um, so I think those are probably the, the largest groups. Actinomycetes are another, another group, but um, basically the two that were most that we know the most about and that we are probably the most concerned about would be bacteria and fungi. Perfect. Well, that leads me to my next question. Um, what benefits do fungi bring to the soil? So fungi um, bring lots of different benefits. I already talked a little bit about AMF and that they're really helping crops accessing more nutrients and accessing more water. Fungi are they're basically fungi are important because they're really they're building they're really uh involved in helping build soil structure so they secrete or leak those uh substances that are called glomolin it can almost kind of be thought as a kind of a glue-like substance um so fungi hyphae those are uh the long thin um Hyphae that they grow into the soil, they, um, they secrete glomalin, they kind of take up or take up um, small soil aggregates and form them into slightly larger aggregates. So, which then makes the soil, you know, you could say it makes the soil less vulnerable to erosion. So that's a, that's a big benefit. And then, of course, um, especially the saprophytic fungi are, are the ones that are breaking down really tough plant residues, such as the corn stalks that, I, that I've talked a little bit about. So fungi are, are um, they're very essential. They're unfortunately also very vulnerable to tillage. That's, why, that's one big reason why uh, tilled soils lose their structure, because we... we there's less fungi that can, you know, build soil aggregates. Um, but we can, we can support those fungi populations by doing less tillage or reduce, by, by going no-till. And again, by, by growing cover crops. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSym by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com dot com backslash two zero two two and now back to the podcast 
So you mentioned saprophytic fungi. Are there other types of fungi besides that? So we have the saprophytic fungi. Those are the ones that are mostly decomposing. And there's lots of different forms of fungi. And some, of course, are pathogens. But um, as far as what the soil, you know, as those that are important for soil health, um, the other ones are, are vascular mycorrhizae fungi or AM, AM or AMF. So, and they're the kind of fungi that uh, have relationships with plant roots. They basically grow inside of plant roots and send their hyphen out into the soil. So the hyphen are basically the very thin, whitish looking, I mean, they're almost kind of, we can't, we can barely see them with the naked eye. They're very, very thin. Um, they're almost basically, you can think of them as a sort of root, but not really. Um, but they send out the hyphae into the soil. And then these hyphae are, um, are accessing nutrients and water, bringing it back to the plant. The, and that the fungi basically exchanges that with the plant. The plant gives the fungi some sugars and in exchange, it gets some of the nutrients and water that the hyphen, the fungi hyphen bring back. So that is a real benefit for soils, for crops that are growing in these soils, if there is a, a high number of arbuscular mycorrhizae fungi or AMF in those, in those soils. How does fungi help increase nutrient uptake by the, the growing crops? So when we have those arbuscular mycorrhizae fungi in the soil, they can grow on our cover crops. The cover crop supports those. So we're increasing. We've actually seen that in some of our research that we were able to increase numbers of uh, arbuscular mycorrhizae fungi because the cover crop is a host. You know, the cover crop, they can grow on the cover crop and, and be supported by it. Now, when we kill the cover crop, the, the, the arbuscular mycorrhizae fungi, I'm just going to start calling it AMF because that's a lot easier. So the AMF can move from the dead cover crop into corn or soybeans. So it, it can be hosted by those crops as well. And then, you know, it does the same thing for our corn and soybean. It basically increases nutrient and, and water uptake. All right. So um, if cover crops are left uh, growing in the fall and then um, left in the soil to continue growing in the spring. How does that winter cycle help fungi? Well, again, we are the cover crop, you know, is hosting the AMF fungi. So the, the ones that are growing on or inside of its roots. So it, it, is, it, is, it is a host. Um, it's sort of like a green bridge. Um, and it will basically carry the fungi, host the fungi until the next spring when we have a crop growing on the, in the field. And then once we kill the cover crop, the fungi can move on to the crop. So uh, cereal rye has been the most or has been the most prevalent cover crops in the Midwest and certainly in our trials. It's a it's a very winter hardy. It's the most winter hardy one of the small grains. It can grow even at um, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. It, it still grows. It's very, um, 
it it's it survives the winters really well too. It greens up quickly in the spring, and um, another great thing about Sierra Riot is it produces a lot of biomass. It produces a lot of tillers, so it takes up a lot of those nutrients that we that would could otherwise be lost. For example, nitrate, um, of course, that being the main one. So it it takes up uh, large amounts of nitrate. Um, and prevents it from leaching out, basically. Okay. And in your research, um, what did you discover about the the carbon to nitrogen ratio and how that relates to cereal rye? Carbon to nitrogen ratio in plant biomass tells us something about how quickly that biomass will decompose once the plant is dead. So if we have a high carbon to nitrogen ratio, we typically expect that uh, that biomass to decompose very slowly, probably take weeks, if not months, more like months to decompose. And again, examples for high carbon to nitrogen ratio um, biomass would be corn stalks, wheat straw, um, things like that. And um, if we have residue that has a low carbon to nitrogen ratio, and typically we think of legumes as having a low carbon to nitrogen ratio, these residues or these plants, once they're dead, will decompose quickly. Um, in, in return, they decompose, so they, that means they also release the nitrogen that's bound in the biomass very quickly. So that's an important thing when we think about whether we want to use our cover crop as a nitrogen source for our next crop, our corn or soybean. If we have a low carbon to nitrogen ratio cover crop, when once it's killed, we expect it to release very quickly, so probably within a few weeks. Um, so it decomposes quickly and releases nitrogen back that can then be used by, by corn or soybean. In our research with cereal rye, that it actually had relatively low carbon to nitrogen ratios. So it was decomposing quickly. Um, and that is, and again, you know, if it decomposes quickly, it can sort of be used as a, as a, as a nitrogen source. If it has a higher carbon to nitrogen ratio, though, that could be important for, for some functions of the cover crop. If we want to use our cover crop for wheat control, we may want to think about um, trying to get a higher carbon to nitrogen ratio crop because that means once we kill it, um, the residue will stay on the soil surface um, and also block weeds and other things from coming up. So zero right, we often think about it as because it is a small grain and once it um, heads out, you know, it, it is typically thought of as a high carbon to nitrogen ratio crop. If you kill your cereal right early, though, you know, the carbon to nitrogen ratio is pretty low and it should decompose quickly. If you kill it later in its growth stages, once it starts heading out um, or be right before it starts heading out, then you typically get a higher carbon to nitrogen ratio and that residue will not decompose, but will stick around and probably provide a barrier to wheat and other things coming up. Okay. So um, did you see if there was any effect on 
uh, other nutrients in the soil based on the presence of, of cover crops, uh, such as like phosphorus, potassium, organic carbon. Yeah, so we, we take soil samples in all of our plots each year, and we're looking at nitrogen, of course, which I've talked about um, but we also looked at, at phosphorus, potassium, and organic carbon. And these were not influenced by the cover crop. Organic carbon was the one that where we would hope to see an, an increase um, with growing a cover crop over a long time. Of course, we, we know that the more organic carbon we have in the soil, that's typically a healthier soil, a soil with better structure, um, a soil that supports more microbes. We did not see um, increases in organic carbon. What we did see um, were, were some increases in some fractions of organic carbon. And um, those are the fractions that are typically associated with, with microbes. So, so there was a little bit of an increase. Um, I do have to say as a disclaimer that our research was mostly carried out on university research stations which already have pretty good uh, organic carbon. So we're, those, are, those are good soils. They're well-managed soils. So we typically have between two and a half and 3% organic carbon in our soil. I think if we plant cereal rye on more, on, on land that's, that's less healthy, that has uh, lower organic carbon, probably sandier soils, we, we should see uh, more benefits when it comes to carbon. Okay, great. Um, clarify a little bit for me. How do you know that it was the cereal rye that indeed caused uh, an increase in the microbial populations? So in our experiments, the, the way we set it up is, you know, we always have a cover crop or several cover, different cover crops. And then we compare that to plots where we don't have a cover crop. So we call that our control or our check plots. So, you know, after, and, and we measured uh, bacterial populations after four years of growing a cover crop in these plots year after year after year versus growing just a main crop and no cover crop. So we know that um, the changes that we saw were due to the cover crop because the plots were managed exactly the same, except for the cover crop. And I can also talk a little bit about the tests that we're doing to actually measure those microbes. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. So we are actually, and we had this done at um, uh, a colleague of mine who, who works with soil microbe, Dr. Ray Driver from UNL, assisted me with this. So what she did was um, there is a, a test that actually looks at biological markers in the soil. So it's not quite like the DNA tests that you can do, like for example, ancestry.com or something like that, but sort of similar. You can kind of think of it in that sense that it can identify, um, if you do this test, it can identify certain groups of microbes in the soil. So it can identify bacteria, it can identify uh, saprophytic fungi, AM fungi, it can identify protozoa and, uh, and nematodes and, and several, other, um, several other groups of fungi. So 
that's the test that we did. Um, I, I believe it's also offered by some uh, soils labs. It's called, there, there's two of them, two tests that do the similar, do a similar thing. One of them is called FAME or FAME. One of them is called PLFA. So if you're interested in that, going really in depth and figuring out exactly what's in your soil, you know, look into getting one of these, these tests. Great. Well, where can our listeners go for more information? So as far as information from the University of Nebraska, we have on our website, we have a, um, we have a cover crops site. So go to Crop Watch. That's our website for all information on all crops, including cover crops. We have a separate site for cover crops there. You can also subscribe to our weekly Crop Watch newsletter. The CropWatch site will also have a calendar with events that if you're interested in cover crops and soil health events, they, they would all be listed on, on the CropWatch site. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for joining us, Katya. Thank you. I was happy to be here. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com dot com backslash two zero two two for more information about all things cover crops visit us online at covercropstrategies.com